0: Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Edgar Wright releases his new horror thriller Last Night in Soho in movie theaters this weekend, just in time for Halloween. I spoke with him in 2017 about his cool action flick Baby Driver, as well as his legacy after Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead. Edgar Wright, writer-director of Baby Driver which I just saw last night. Man, it's the definition of cool. I mean, all your movies are pretty damn cool, but this one is was fantastic. So right off the top, just want to congratulate you on that. Where do you get the idea to do, you know, we've seen sort of these wall-to-wall soundtracks before, American Graffiti, even even Pulp Fiction or something like that, but I don't think I've ever seen one that's so intrinsically woven into the plot, you know what I mean, um, of a guy walking around with, with his earbuds in all the time. And a plot reason for that, you know, the ring in his ear is almost his vertigo. It's his characterful, but um, you know, where do you get the idea? Are you just listening to the, your own iPod one day, or where do you get that idea?
1: I mean, I've had the idea in some form for like 22 years. When I was like 21, I was listening to uh, the first track that's in the movie by the John Spencer Blues Explosion, "Bell Bottoms." I was listening to that over and over again, and I, I, and I thought like this would make a great car chase song. So literally, from like listening to that song, I would visualize visualize that sequence, and then. You know, like think of the sort of character that would fit there, and then I came up with the idea of, what if it was a getaway driver who listened to music? What if he was a young getaway driver? And then, really, you know, my own relationship to music is similar to babies in terms of I use music to motivate me, and galvanise me, and inspire me. And so that was really what uh, was the sort of genesis of the idea. And and also it wasn't until later actually that I put the final piece of the jigsaw puzzle together. Is that it wasn't until I was reading Oliver Sacks did that book called Musicophilia, and uh, there you know about the condition of tinnitus, which is something or tinnitus rather as you say here, which is what the char- the main character I suffers from. Yeah, I used to have attacks of that when I was uh, like seven or eight. And uh, I I never thought of the solution of listening to music as a way of drowning out the tinnitus. But it did seem like that it was something that, you know, within this film you could come up with a, you know, you always in action films have the strong silent type and in this movie have a reason why he does
0: that. Well, that's why it goes deeper than much action movies. You know what I mean. I mean, you you have a reason behind it. What what caused yours? I mean, that's interesting. At age seven, did, was there an incident like in this movie that caused it, or is it something you were born
1: with? Or? I think it was just like a buildup of like pressure. It was something where I had to have my ear syringe and stuff. It was extremely painful, and used to kind of keep me awake at night. The the ringing and stuff. So it was um, it was not pleasant at all. And I'm feel very fortunate that I don't have it now. But I know other people, like director friends of mine, who have um, tinnitus and you know it's something they have to kind of live with you know so I thought it was interesting you know because t- it's a movie it is a heist movie but you've got this character who has this sort of um, you know uh, hearing defect, and it just makes you think about your relationship to
0: sound and music and how much some people need music in their lives I know I do how do you go about choosing which songs? Because I, I mean, there, there's the bigger ones like the Queen, the Brighton Rock song that, that stand out in your, in your mind when you leave, but there's like even smaller moments where you're using only pieces of songs. One part I remember in the diner and, and they're first talking about, you know, leaving it to Am and going on their on their cross-country, you know, getaway ride. Did I hear a little of Steve Miller, Jet Airliner? The... Oh, it's the, song. It's the song Like the intro. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fresh oh, threshold. Right, right, all right. yes. Yeah, so I remember that that's like the lead-in. Yeah. But then you don't ever cut the Jet Airliner, but... But I like that you, you know, you're. How do you think of like that? That's that's like almost like you know, musical genius of yours. It's like I'm gonna use that one little end clip of that song. I mean, how do you? Well, you know, what's things? interesting with that Steve
1: Miller thing is originally I had Jet Airliner in the film as well, but um, it was something like I don't know if you've ever just put your record collection on shuffle. I don't know if you've ever done that with your entire collection. Right. But it is also you get these bizarre like juxtapositions, and so originally I had Jet Airliner in the film as well. But then I was like sort of wanted to sort of mix it up and it went to, it goes to a hip hop song instead. But I thought, I like that intro. And it's just that intro playing in its own right, the threshold like song. Um, So it's funny you you picked up on that because originally Jet Airliner was in the movie.
0: Well, that's funnier. Because, but like you're saying, I think it probably was, you know, on, like you're saying, when you have these clips of the songs, it must have just gotten, the end of that must have gotten clipped off. And for me, I thought it was the beginning of Jet Liner, but it's the end of the previous song. Interesting.
1: Yeah, it's on that album. It's, it's called, that track is called Threshold, and then it goes yeah. into Jet Air Liner. Yeah.
0: I just still think it's genius. Even if you don't use yeah. Jet Air Liner, it sets up that expectation for any, anyone that knows that song. It's, you know, that Jet Air is all about, you know, got to go, you know, leaving town and all that stuff. So it kind of works perfectly for that. So anyway, I just wanted to let you know, I picked that up and I'm impressed so that's how you sort of we just talked about how you chose the songs but what I loved about the movie is how it so perfectly matches the visuals I mean even in the end the you know some of the shootouts the the gunfire the blast is right on beat you know how does that actually done is that done in post or is it like a music video where you're like listening to it you know while you're shooting it or you know how do you actually get it to match up like that yeah it's
1: basically um, it is it is we're listening to the song on set
0: You have to be. to make Yeah, so
1: all of the music was clear before we started shooting, and therefore you could rehearse with it. So with the actors and the choreographer and the stunt guys, you know what the the music is, and also then you can break it down into sections. So like in that sequence in the parking lot to Hocus Pocus, you know that like, uh, okay, this is a guitar bit, so he's running. Now there's this accordion breakdown, so this is him breaking into a car. Now there's this other guitar bit, so now he's driving. Now there's this bit with this flute solo. This is where they're firing at the time of the music. So you literally sort of break it down like a beat sheet where it's like these are the moments and this is where they go in the movie. So it's very precise. And it's, it, on one hand, it's very complicated because there's no, there's no scene where something is happening for no reason. It's all <laughs> happening to the music. So it's very complicated, but at the same time, you know, the cast and the crew all know exactly what's happening. Now, in that particular bit, say there's a scene, bit where John Hamm is like firing in time with the guitar. Right. So most of the time you could play the music out loud or they can have it in their ears. But when you've got a blank firing gun, that will wipe out the sound of any playback. Right. So in those particular things, it's almost like being back in the schoolyard, you basically had to teach John his beats. So you're like, okay, so John on this day, you come out and you go bang, 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 bang. bang. Wow. And then John would be like, go, Okay, got it. And then you do recover the rehearsals, then he does it for real. And he did it like by that point the song is so in everybody's head. It's just like you're doing it in time. So it isn't something where in theory you could cheat and in editing tweak the timing. But we really did it for real, like on set. And I think it's something that I think really works for the movie is that things are always on beat. There might be a scene later where Ansel Elgort's coming into a diner when the Barry White song is playing. Yeah. And during that intro, like Ansel like, closes his car door and opens two diner doors in time with the bass on that track.
0: Right. And that's when he looks over and sees right? And when he sees yeah, yeah, her. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and then he yeah, yeah, turns yeah.
1: around, exactly. So it's, like, it's all like building, so that's all in one shot. And so it's that thing where it's like Ansel's sitting in the car and it's like first bass, get out, <laughs> yeah. second bass, open the outer door, third bass, open the inner door, you know, like sort of... Like, so it's, it's just like sort of they're doing it to the pieces of the music. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, like you said, it's probably... It makes it more challenging, but at the same time, it gives you a little bit of a spine and a structure. So um, in that scene you're talking about, I love the insert shot of the, the half coffee pot shattered on the ground. I love that shot. Oh, yeah. I love your little insert shots. But beyond that, you have a lot of, you know seemingly complicated single takes. There's one early, too. What was the toughest one of the single takes to get? Well, the the
1: the, the opening sequence uh, where you... So you've seen Ansel Elgo in, in the pre-credit sequence. You've seen him be, like, a badass getaway driver. And then immediately afterwards, just to sort of really compound the idea that he's a young apprentice, you see that he also... His, also his job to go get the coffees. <laughs> so I kind of love this idea of, like, seeing, like, your your um, amazing sort of um, fearless getaway rabbit is also the gopher um, on the coffee run so you see this three minute shot all set to Harlem Shuffle by Bob and Earl where Ansel goes to get the coffees and comes back and sort of, you know, in his, his own little bubble with his headphones in and that's all in one long steady cam shot and it was also on the first day of the shoot, so it was the first slate that we did oh, wow. and I think we had a 10-hour day because we worked continuously because sure. of the light. Um, so he started filming in February, so it was a 10-hour day. So I think we, we shot in 10 hours, we shot 28 takes. Wow. And we used take 21. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I and know you- that much. That's crazy, that's crazy. Well, I mean, in order to pull all this off, you, met, you, know, you mentioned the, the lead actor. I mean, we've seen him in, what was he in? He was in Fault in Our Stars yeah. and some of the Divergent. How'd you decide on him? And man, he just, he shoulders this movie and almost shows a, a different, stronger, cooler, silent type in this
1: movie. Yeah, I mean, when I, uh, like um, like I said, I've been working on it for so many years, but I, like sort of three years ago, uh, I was like, this is, this is the next movie I'm gonna make. Put all of my energy into getting Baby Driver made. So literally, the first question you get asked by the studio is like, "Who's going to play Baby?" Because like, which young actor could like do this part? And and you know, there are a lot of talk of lots of young actors that were out there. But Ansel was one of the first people that came up, one of the first people that I met. And very quickly after, like a couple of like you know, reading the role with him, I thought this is the guy. You know, because also he's very charismatic. He can really hold the camera. And then on top of that, like has sort of, he's you know got some kind of like sort of um, uh, musical background where he can play instruments and he makes music and you know he can dance. You know he can done sort of some action before, and so it was a thing in terms of uh, we're gonna have to teach him how to drive. Um, I mean, he could drive, but I mean teach him how to stunt drive. Right. But he actually does a lot of his stunts in the movie as well, which is great, like, especially in the kind of uh, foot chase. A lot of that is him, which is really uh, exciting. So I think he did an incredible job in the movie.
0: Well, and like you're saying, there's the bigger stunts, but even the, the little moments that, like, you know, swinging on the chin-up bar into the kitchen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Little things you put in there, I don't know. I don't know how much of that's you or him, but, you know, it's. I think it's a great great role for him. And, you know, people are all going to compare him and, and Ryan Gosling drive. You know, those are going to be the two getaway drivers we think about from this era. Um, Lily James, going down the rest of the cast. She was in Cinderella, and now you see there's this, you know, this uh, cool, quirky diner. Um, a, a lot of your movies have these sort of... You know, you know, Trojan horse with a, a zombie movie or a sci-fi movie, but there's a there's a little romantic, you know, relationship in there. Um, how important was she, and what does she bring to that love story? I think um, you know the
1: the movie because it is on on paper it's like a car chase action heist movie, but you know what the the hero is aspiring to is he wants to kind of like have a regular life. He wants this. to get out of that. Yeah. He wants to get out of it. So it's almost like the reverse of Goodfellas. The Goodfellas you start with a like a teenager who wants to become a gangster, and in this movie you start with a gangster who wants to be a regular Joe,
0: who delivers Goodfellas pizza. He does. Which, <laughs> a real, which,
1: by the way, is a real place in Atlanta.
0: Really? I've heard of Godfather's Pizza. I've never heard of Goodfellas.
1: Well, it's a I guess it's a knockoff. Like, um, <laughs> but Goodf- I mean, people. Goodfellas yeah. is uh, is a a a pizza um, place in Atlanta. Which Atlanta nat- <laughs> native sort of see the movie and said, "Ah, oh, you use Goodfellas, pizza and wings." It's one of those places that's only open after. It's, where it's the, it's the lo- you know the, the place that's open after midnight. Yeah, yeah So yeah, if yeah. you want to eat at two o'clock in the morning, Goodfellas yeah, yeah. and pizza and wings is your is your is your place. Yeah, yeah. Um, so she, um, so Lily James, I think, is just kind of like sort of the heart of the movie in a way, in terms of she represents like a normal life, and she's in a way like the first real person he's met. Everybody else that he's working with in crime is like living under these like um, nom de plumes and monikers, and like they're even yeah. sometimes kind of pretending they're people they're not. You know, sort of nobody, none of the other robbers, they're all like sort of living this kind of secret life, and yet, so you sort of even as you work with them, you don't know them. They have pseudonyms. They right? ha- all yeah. have pseudonyms. Yeah. They're all like sort of kind of mythologizing themselves in a lot of ways. So, like, Lily James is sort of, like, a real person that he meets. And also that actually she, uh, you know, is, is like an escape from the life that he's in. And Lily is such a great, like, empathetic, sort of, like, emotional actor that you just kind of completely fall for her. And I think the thing is that, that with her and Ansel actually having these two young leads is they treat the romantic story very sincerely, like, I think you really, like, buy into it because, because they did. Yeah. And I think the way they play those scenes is really, you know, sort of um, affecting and sweet.
0: Yeah, I think so. And to your point, you know, Baby is sort of, you know, the, his his recording people and remixing and everything is sort of something he keeps to himself. But with her, she takes the recorder and, and says it to him. So she's, she's the first regular person that goes in on it with him, in a way.
1: Yeah, I think so, sort because of, he's living quite a solitary existence at the start and even even the thing of him making these mixtapes of like people talking about him or like you know it's his way of mythologizing himself i think at the start of the film he's compartmentalized um what he does into the idea that he's not really a criminal he's just the driver now obviously that isn't like the reality of it is he is complicit in these crimes and i've seen a court of law you know, a, a getaway driver would get the same sentence sure. as the as the robbers of a bank. So I think it's this idea at the start of the movie that Ansel's like fooling himself that he's not really a criminal. And 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 in a way, like the thing about it is like the the, the start with the you know that kind of like romantic idea of being you know a, a, a daredevil getaway driver. But then as the movie goes on, you start to you know introduce the tough reality of being a criminal and what that really means and you know the
0: repercussions of your actions yeah losing people that you you love or, or even your own life well, before we go, we got to ask um, the henchmen. We got to talk about it. how John Hamm, kind of casting against type from the Don Draper. You know, it's cool to see see that sort of dark side, and he definitely gets a big play up in the end. And Jamie Foxx, too, show another side, uh, the toughest gangster of all of them in this. But did you try to pick guys that were well established, but then you could show sort of another side of
1: them? Well, I think uh, oh, the the thing that Jamie and uh, John have in common is they're very charming performers, and in a way, some of their early like sort of parts in the movie where they might be a bit more funny or like charming is 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 really just setting you up for a full sense of security because they're all like very bad guys and baby is very much in a nest of vipers so i like this idea of having these extremely well known charismatic performers that you think you might know what they're like and then they reveal like sort of their you know sort of true depths of how menacing they can be So I just like, I mean, it's, it, it, with all of them, it's a, it's, it's a really nice, um, trick to play on the audience is where the sort of the, you know, the kind of the, the, the penny drops and, uh, and um, you realize that sort of quite how vindictive and desperate these people can be.
0: Well, I know we got to wrap up. Final question. We've had a lot of critics and the like write about, you know, your, your journey and, you know, Shaun of the Dead Hot Fuzz, you know, but what, how do you think you've grown from those movies? What's your own through line and, and where you see yourself with Baby Driver um, even better off than even those great works? I don't know. I mean, that's the, those things are for other people
1: to say, not me. <laughs> I mean, um I think the thing is is that I just kind of approach each story. They're all things that are like I'm very passionate about, and they're all like movies that like I, I you know they they see it into my brain. It's like you sort of you dream up these movies and you think I have to make this because I have to get it out of my head, out of my head onto paper and then onto the screen. So it's really just a sort of like a persistence of vision, like sort of to to get these things made. And what's nice is that a lot of people sort of like commented about Baby Driver being a, a departure or a surprise for me, which is great, and I'm very sort of, like, uh, flattered by that. The irony is, is that the this idea existed before, like, right. Shaun of the Dead and Space. So I think it's sort of just, if I get the opportunity, I'd love to continue doing, like, original movies and doing different stories, you know. That's not to say I wouldn't do a sequel to something or, like, you know, but I, I've been very fortunate
0: so far that I've been able to tell these um Original twists on established genres. Awesome. Well, this one's a great one, so it was nice meeting you, and thanks so much. Congrats on a great thank movie. You, thank you. Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Remember to hit the subscribe button and give us a five star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time.